0: But I do love them. So today, we are in our third week of our series, carols. And today we're going to talk about the song, O Come All Ye Faithful. Last night, my wife and I were talking and we said, I don't even know what the word carol means. What does it mean? Why don't we call them songs? Why do we call them carols? So we looked it up and and a carol means a dance or a song of joy and praise, Right? So, this song was originally written in Latin, and anybody first service can't answer. So, you second service people. Who knows what the Latin name of the song was? You guys win. Man, the first service, we didn't get it. So, um, Adesta Fidelis. You ever remember kind of singing it that way? So, it was written in Latin, and then it was transferred to English by a guy named Frederick Oakley in 1841. So, we're in... Week number three, we're December 9th, and I want to know who's starting to get a little stressed out about what you have to do before December 25th. Anybody starting to get a little stressed out? A little bit? Be honest. Okay. So there's a few of you. A couple other honest questions I have to ask you. How many of you guys really get excited about Christmas? You love Christmas. You get excited about Christmas. So there's a, there's a number of you, okay? These are the people who, when they say it, they actually do this with their hand. So here's the next question. How many of you, honestly, just want to get through it? Anybody? All right, so a fair number of you. Thank you for being honest. So there's a mixture of feelings and emotions come Christmas time, right? And it makes perfect sense because we have two competing things. We have the awesome birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We're celebrating that. And we have the busiest commercial time of the year. Both are competing. And they're competing for our time they're competing for our emotions and our attention. And, you know, I've had a couple shifts over the years in how I think of Christmas and what I liked about Christmas. And like many of you, some of you maybe, I grew up and I had awesome Christmases. My mom and dad made it very well balanced. We had Christ the Savior as the focal point, and we had food, and we had presents, the tree. They just made it magical, Right? And I loved it. My dad was a traveling salesman, so he was gone Monday through Friday all the time. And at Christmas, we got dad all to ourselves, and it was wonderful. Then I got married, and yes, it was wonderful. It still is wonderful. Um, But you start your first traditions with your spouse. You have these awesome Christmases. It's your combination, right, Tony and Allie? Right? So these great times with your wife and starting traditions— And then I had kids. And that changed a little bit. So I wanted to make our Christmases, and my wife and I want to make Christmases for the kids just like we grew up with great magical Christmases. But honestly, some of the pressures of the finances started to steal my joy. And I was trying to balance career, money, trying to make that happen, trying to be a little bit of everybody to everything. And I started to lose my joy of Christmas. When my kids became in their older teens, joy was gone. I, I just wanted to get through it, like many of you guys. Just get me out of here, get it done with, wrap it up, get rid of the tree on January 2nd, and bah humbug, right? And that's what the kids would say to me, bah humbug, Dad. But I just wanted to get through it. It's just, it lost its joy. And I would look at it, I despised the commercialism of it. I hated the fact that on December something, everybody turned on their nice switch and then on January 1st, they shut it off when they were back to the way that they were before. And it's like, why can't we just be nice all the time? Why are we like this? And I just checked out. And now, I've come to a different place, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you a little bit later. But I wanted to take a look at, for a second, what Jesus might want us to do during the season of his birth to celebrate him. And our song starts with two words, O come. And Jesus always does this. He always invites us to come. And there's always an invitation, and he wants us to make a decision to come. In Matthew 11:28, it says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What an awesome promise during December, right? During this time of year, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. What what does he mean? Why would he even say that? And I think that he said that because he never, ever designed life. That we would live it in a constant weary and burdened state. He never wanted it to be that way. And he goes on to say this. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Isn't that great? But what we have to realize is that you and I have to make a decision. We have to respond to that in order to get what he promises us. And I think as a Christian, this is one of the most important things that we miss so often is that Jesus wants a response from us, and he wants us to make a decision. It's the key to the Christian life. We have to respond. Number two, Jesus calls the sinners. He said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He calls sinners. Who in here is a sinner? I love it when people don't raise their hand. It's like, wow, you're awesome. I'm a sinner. A lot of us are sinners. We're all sinners, aren't we? We're all sinners. And he calls all of us, you and me, to come to him to find eternal life. To come to Him to find grace. To come to Him to find mercy and forgiveness. And the ability to have a fresh start. To push the reset button. And to follow Him and to walk in the guidance of God Almighty. And The song says, come let us adore Him. And you know the whole point of Christmas. The whole point of the season of Christmas. Is that Jesus left an amazing heaven where he was sitting up there at the right hand of God the Father, and he entered our earth. Well, his earth, but where we live, an earth. And he came down here, and he became a human, just like you and I. He had a childhood. He had his mom's cooking. <laughs> he lived right alongside some really nice people and some really big jerks, just like you and I did. But he grew up to be an adult for the very sole purpose, the very sole purpose of calling sinners, that's you and me, to come to know him so he could give us something that we can't get on our own, eternal life. So I was thinking about Christmas Eve. All that happens on Christmas Eve, right? So Jesus came down, he enters the womb of Mary. And up in heaven, everybody in heaven knew that God put this into motion. It's like, wow, there used to be an heaven with Jesus, and he left. And now he's down on earth, and for nine months they're waiting. Up in heaven, they're waiting. Joseph and Mary, they know that that baby didn't come from them. (laughs) That God put the baby there. And they know that they've been told, you're carrying the Savior of the world. What is that like to carry the Savior of the world? And Christmas Eve comes, and Jesus is going to be born. And you would think that God would bring a whole bunch of people to see this, but he doesn't. It's just Mary and Joseph alone. The wise men, the magi, they don't come for days later. So it's just them two. And they have the baby, the baby Jesus. And I think up in heaven, they went absolutely crazy. I think it was like NASA control room when we landed on the moon. Yes! High five, fist pumping, jubilee, just craziness. They're like, oh my gosh, this has been set in motion. We're not going back from this point forward. God's plan started. Woo, he's here. The Savior of the world is out as a human. It's insane, isn't it? They all knew that an awesome chapter of eternity had just begun. The Savior of the world being born. Hundreds of prophecies that had been written beforehand came true. And hundreds of prophecies would start becoming true from there until today and beyond And this baby became a man that would change life forever. This baby became a man, and this man would give his life to pay for your sins just so that he could have a relationship with you forever. This man would leave us instructions in the form of a Bible how to live a life and how to live a godly life. This man would leave us with the Holy Spirit that would live inside of you and give you guidance and direction every day for what you need. This man would go up to heaven and prepare a place just for you in heaven so that when you die, you have a place in heaven already prepared for you. How crazy cool is that? That he said he would do that. He would say, I will go to heaven and I will prepare a place for you in heaven. This man would fill you with hope when you're down this man would give you victory over your enemies this man would carry you through the storms of life the song says sing choirs of angels sing in exaltation, sing all ye citizens of heaven above and they did glory to God glory in the highest oh come let us adore him oh come let us adore him heck yeah Heck yeah, isn't that awesome? Right? It's awesome. But the song says, O come all ye faithful, joyful, and triumphant. And there's some of you sitting here today going, Yeah, right. I don't feel that way. But I think it's no coincidence to put these three words together. I think the faithful should be joyful and triumphant. But sometimes we don't feel that way. Sometimes we feel really discouraged. Sometimes we just feel weary. Sometimes we feel tired, sad. Sometimes we're just numb and we don't feel anything at all. And we miss out on joy because we forget who we're serving. So when I was 20 years old, I lived in Iowa. Somebody has to live in Iowa. <laughs> so <laughs> I did. But I was a loss prevention officer for Target stores, which meant that we would work the Target store, we would work the floor, and we were uh, catching shoplifters. And so when you would catch a shoplifter, you had to wait till they walked out this, the doors of the store, and you would walk out and you would approach them and confront them and get him inside. Sometimes people would come inside willingly, and we'd go and we'd write up the paperwork, and if it was over a certain dollar amount, we prosecuted them. Sometimes it didn't go so well. Sometimes those people ran, and we would have to chase them, and you'd catch them, you'd tackle them, and you'd handcuff them, and you'd bring it back in. And we could do that back then, because stores didn't have the liability they have these days. So we could do those things. Sometimes it went really bad, and you'd have people all tricked out on drugs, whatever, and they would fight, and you would just get into a main brawl. And you usually tried to have your backup, and at that point, they would call all the men from the store out, and they would get involved, and we'd arrest the people. So I got a call that one of the stores up in Minneapolis, in a sub- suburb of Minneapolis, didn't have any staff, and the loss prevention manager needed some help for a week. Would I go? I said, sure. I'm, I'm young. I don't have anything going on. So I went up to the suburb, and I walked into the store, and I met the loss prevention manager. And he came out, and he's this, this little black guy, about like this tall. And really soft spoken. Hi. And I thought, wow. And skinny. Very lean, but skinny. And so we started to work the floor together, and I'm figuring out how he does his thing and how I do my thing. And the whole time I'm thinking, I hope we do not get in a fight because they're going to knock this little guy over and I'm dead. And so I'm going the whole day. I do not want to get in a fight, this little wimp that I'm with. And of course I don't say that. So the day gets done, and he comes and he says, What are you doing tonight? Said, well, I'm probably going to go back to the hotel and have dinner and watch a movie or something. He goes, so why don't you come to my dojo? And I'm like, I don't even know what a dojo is. Do you smoke pot? Do you? What, well, I don't know. What are what do you doing a dojo? And he's all, no, 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 no. I I, I teach karate. And I know my face betrayed me. It's like, you you teach karate? Sure, I'll, I'll be there. So I go late that night. And he had already started. It went late on purpose. And I see him teaching all these adults and students. He's getting them together. And they're, they're learning their karate moves and whatnot. And, and at the end, he has them do their sparring with each other. Very impressive. And I realized I will never fight a karate person. And then he, at the very end, stood in the middle of the mat. And he had four lines of his students on all sides. And they would come at him one at a time, one after the other, And he's just like flipping people. And then he'd get down and he'd do, you're dead. And he'd do the move that's going to kill him, like slice their throat or break their neck or whatever. And his bodies are flying everywhere. He's flipping and people going sailing all over and he's just dead, dead, dead. And I'm like, holy crap, this guy's awesome. And so I told one of the students, I said, he's dead. Phenomenal! Somebody would come with a board. He could kick seven feet in the air and smash a board. And he goes, "Yeah, he's a seventh degree black belt. His hands are registered weapons. He can reach inside your chest, grab your heart, and have it out, and it's still beating." <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa! And I'm like so impressed with this guy. So the next day we get to work, and I'm like, I want to fight. <laughs> I want a fight, and whoever we're gonna arrest, you know, we're stop him. He just called you an idiot. You should fight him, you know. I just wanted to fight. And we didn't get it, but man, I was ready. So what happened? What happened? I had a perspective change of the power of the person that I was with. And you guys, we need a perspective change on the power of the person that we serve. You think my little karate guy was cool? We have the creator of the universe. You have to realize who it is that has your back. You don't get any better than this. You don't get any higher than having the creator of the universe have your back. You have to realize just who it is that has your best interest at heart. You have to realize just who it is who loves you more than any person on this entire earth. Nobody loves you more than Jesus Christ. You have to realize just who it is who died just for you so that he could have a relationship with you if you'll have him. You have to realize that he is triumphant, he is victorious, and he is your savior You follow the king of angels, Christ the Lord. And when you're a believer in him, you are victorious. You are triumphant. But you might say to me, I don't feel it. I don't feel faithful. I don't feel joyful. I don't feel triumphant at all. And I get it. I do. I get it. But the word of God in Hebrews 12 says this. And Chris and Rock shared this. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. We need to be looking up, not here. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. And Romans 10 17 says this So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Guys, we need to be in the word. You want to build your faith. You want to be that faithful person. We got to be in the Word. We got to be reading the Word, listening to the Word. It's a faith builder. We want to be more joyful. Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Joy. Joy. Joy is the, what you get when you have a right relationship with God. You can't go get it. You can't by it, you can't make it, you can't manufacture it. Joy only comes from having that right relationship with Jesus. And I love this saying, happiness comes from happenings, but joy comes from Jesus. Let me say it again. Happiness comes from happenings, but joy comes from Jesus. You see, happiness is based on what's going around you, on your circumstances, what's coming at you, what you're involved in. But joy only comes from Jesus and you can be in the worst of circumstances and you can have joy 100%. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. So, where did I end up? I told you that I started with a, a magical Christmas and went through my gyrations of whatever I felt. And I've kind of come to land here. And I'm not saying that I got this perfected yet. But I'm at the point that I realize I don't have that magical joy of Christmas anymore, that magic to Christmas. But what I do have is I have a burden. I have a burden of bringing hope to the hopeless. There's so many people out there that have no idea who Jesus is. They have no idea that he died for them so that he could have a relationship with them. They have no idea the whole purpose of why he came. So it's a season of trying to share love, trying to share kindness, generosity, prayer, patience. And this week at Small Group, we were talking about this, and um, Chris Torres brought up the point. He says, you know what? I got to admit, I don't don't always feel happy at Christmas anymore, and and I used to. And he said, you know what it is? It's that I don't. I don't think with eternity thinking anymore. I used to think, I used to look at things from an eternal perspective. And I've been chewing on this, and I think he's on to something. That as we look at things and we look at circumstances in life, we need to look at it from an eternal perspective, not just from the moment. You know, as we go through things, put things into eternal perspective. Maybe out of my day, I can take a minute and encourage somebody. Think eternally. What are you going through? You know, maybe life's squeezing you right now. Maybe it's crushing you. And realize eternally, you've got to crush a grape to make wine. So what does God have for you in the midst of that? Slow down, eternal eternal thinking. Everything that happens, if we look at it from the bigger picture, it just starts to change our whole perspective, realizing who has our back and what we're here for. You see, the weary world, it does have a reason to rejoice, and his name is Jesus. So I'm kind of at the point that this is my mission. This is my mission to make people know him. So I do come. I do come faithful. I do come joyful. I do come triumphant to bring hope to the world. Yea, Lord, we greet thee. Born this happy morning, Jesus, to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. So, Nate, can you put that song on for a minute? Um. So I want to. I guess I want to close this way. I know that there's somebody who's here today who, you can hear this message and you, you could just go throughout the rest of the Christmas season. And you can struggle. But I want to give you the opportunity to to make a decision. Because Jesus wants a response. There's promises for you. There's promises of hope. There's promises of joy. There's promises of love for forgiveness. But we have to respond. And there's somebody here that needs to make that decision. And I just want to carve out a minute of time for you to do that. Make a decision. We don't need to go through weary and burdened. If that's you today... And I invite you, just bring it to his feet. You don't have to carry that burden that you carry every day. You don't have to carry that sadness. And if you're not there, then that's okay. But I know that there's somebody who's hearing this that's there. And I want to encourage them today. Make a decision to fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Bring your troubles, bring your burdens, and bring your weary soul. And let him restore that so that you can bring hope to the hopeless. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you. It's, this is just such an amazing thing that you put in place to send your son down to earth to become a man and to give his life willingly, willingly, just so that he could have a relationship with us eternally. Thank you, God, for that, this Christmas story. We want to remember why we celebrate your birth, Lord. It's not just about the commercial part, Lord. It's about you. So I thank you for that, Lord. I pray for those here today that are struggling, Lord. I pray for them that as they try to find joy and meaning amidst the circumstances of their life that joy would prevail. Lord, that they could make a decision and respond to you today and come and bring that and lay it at your feet. God, we just prepare our hearts as we turn towards the home run of celebrating your birth, and just I want us to be so aware every day of who you want us to talk to, who you want us to encourage, who you want us to extend an arm of generosity. Lord, who should we be praying for? Who should we be lifting up? Lord, we just want to be aware. I pray that you would fill every person in this congregation today, Lord, with all that they need. All that they need, so we're overflowing, Lord. Not just a little bit. Fill us up all the way. We give you thanks. We give you praise. In your name we pray, amen. If you'd like to pray today, if that was you, I'd love to pray with you. So we wish you the best day and a good week. And if you like prayer, come on up. Um, also if you guys wouldn't mind helping us stack chairs, five to a, uh, five to a stack and then ask Greg where he wants them And then the, uh, the template to set up is on the TVs. You guys are awesome.